Would you like to join a conversation with the iFreaks and their guests? Want to support the show? We have a form that allows you to join the conversation and support the show at the same time. You can sign up at ifreakshow.com slash forum. Hey, everybody, and welcome to episode 57 of the iFreak Show. This week on our panel, we have Andrew Madsen. Hi, from Salt Lake City. James Uber. Hello, from Minneapolis. I'm Charles Maxwood from devchat.tv, and uh, this week we're going to be talking about working with MIDI, uh, which is the music something something, I think. Andrew can tell us a little better than that. Yeah, so MIDI is a originally a standard for connecting musical electronic musical instruments together, so that you could hook your keyboard up to a synthesizer and and play MIDI, and that was like in the late seventies. But now it and it's really used for the same thing now. So it might be a way to hook a piano keyboard up to your iPad, play into GarageBand, and re- make recordings. That's really kind of interesting. I mean, is MIDI just a protocol? Is it a a binary protocol or is it something else? Yeah, so MIDI is a communications protocol. Fundamentally, you just have MIDI events, and a MIDI event might be, for example, one of the most common MIDI events is note on. So that just is an event that's sent when a key on a keyboard is pressed down on a piano keyboard. And that tells the device on the other end, the user just push this key, start playing this note, and then you get another message, note off, when they let the key go. And over the years, a lot of other messages have been added to the standard, but those are still sort of the two most common and most important. And it, it is a binary protocol. Uh, it's quite simple, actually. So the typical MIDI messages are two bytes long, and they come in in real time, and, and you can sort of do whatever you want. But I think one important distinction that's important to understand is that MIDI is not an audio protocol. So MIDI is not for transmitting audio. It's for transmitting these events, these musical data events. And then turning those into audio is sort of another step. So you get a long string of notes and you send those into a, and that's MIDI. And then you could send those into a synthesizer that will actually turn them into sound. And the synthesizer can sound like anything, basically. It can sound like a piano, sound like a guitar, could sound like just any, any sound you could come up with. So it's not an audio protocol. It's for musical events. So I think I kind of understand what you're saying here. You know, so you have an, an event, which is basically, you know, this note is playing. So is there some kind of duration on that, or I don't quite follow? So what are the properties of an event? Maybe that's the best question to be asking. Yeah, that is a good question. So to answer your first question there, there's not in the MIDI that's used to connect devices together, there's not a duration. You get two events. So when you press the key down, you get a note on event. And then later when the key is released, you get a note off event. And so that's how you can figure the duration. It's just the time between those two events. But there is some other data that's in a, a note on event, for example, that's useful. So you get the note in question, and that's like the number of the piano key. If you start all, start on a piano all the way at the left, that's, I don't play the piano. So off the top of my head, I don't even know what note it is, but that would be note zero. And they just count up as you go up the piano. And then you also get a velocity, which is just how hard the key was pressed. And from velocity, you can use velocity to change the sound. So. The harder a key is pressed, probably the louder you want the sound to be, for example. Uh, and then other other events, there are other events besides node events. They all have data that's sort of specific to that event. You can get pitch wheel events. So a lot of uh, electronic piano keyboards have a pitch wheel. It's a wheel you turn to bend the pitch a little bit, or kind of like a whammy bar on a, on a guitar, etc. There are other events like that that are sort of useful and applicable to a lot of different kinds of music and musical instruments that have been added to the spec. Does that answer the question? 
Yeah, I think so. I am a little curious, though, as far as like other instruments that have a range that's different from the piano. So, for example, if I'm playing on a tuba or something and maybe it goes lower than the piano does, maybe that doesn't happen. I don't know. But uh, I'm assuming that there are instruments that go higher or lower than the piano. How do you, how do you manage those? Yeah, that's a good question. In MIDI, there, MIDI actually uses seven bit bytes. So you have, there are actually 128 notes in MIDI. And there are only 88 keys on a keyboard, on a piano keyboard. So it actually extends past what a piano keyboard can do. I don't actually know the, the limits and I've never seen a MIDI tuba, but I actually have MIDI bagpipes. So I, I wouldn't be too surprised if there's a MIDI tuba. Um, what, one thing, of course, is music is sort of mathematical. So a C is a C and middle C is middle C, but really, you know, the only difference between middle C and C an octave down is sort of convention, right? You could say you want the MIDI note for middle C to represent a C five octaves down if you wanted to. And some keyboards, like I have a little MIDI, MIDI keyboard that really only has two octaves on it, and you can actually just change which MIDI notes it's sending. You can shift it down by several octaves so that you can play the low end or the high end or anywhere in between, even though you've only got two octaves of piano keys. All it has to do is shift the MIDI notes it's sending up or down. That makes sense. What do people use this for then? I mean, do they just mix their own sound? So you said you plug an instrument into your iPad, and then, you know, you record it, and then, what, do you record another track with another instrument? Can you do that kind of thing? Or do people do different things with it than that? Well, that, that's one of the really big uses. So you, you could hook up your keyboard to GarageBand, play the, the piano track with the keyboard, but then you could also add another track. You're still playing the piano, but because it's just MIDI, it's not sound, you could make that track guitar track in GarageBand or whatever app you're using. And yeah, so it's definitely used for multi-track recording. Anytime you want to record, not audio, but music that you're composing or whatever on a computer or an iOS device, you use MIDI. The reason I use it, or the reason I've gotten into using it, is that at Mixed in Kiwi write software for DJs and all of the DJ controllers that you see. So these are like a controller that has two sort of fake turntables and a bunch of knobs and sliders and buttons for a DJ to, to scratch in live. Those actually use MIDI too. So they don't send node events. They send a different kind of event called a control change event, which is just used for buttons and sliders and knobs, that sort of thing. So that's another thing that MIDI is used for is actually control of music apps. And you can sort of, there's really no reason you couldn't use MIDI for all kinds of different control. Like you could even in theory use it to control lighting at a, at a stage show. I don't think that's typically how it's done, but it would be feasible. It's really mu just a way to connect musical devices together. So what do you use to, uh, you know, to do this kind of work then on iOS? Let's say I wanted to write something that I could record or play back MIDI with. Um, are there pods or libraries or things that you can use for that? Yeah, funny you should ask. Actually, I have a, we at Mixed and Key have a pod called MIK MIDI that we use in our own apps and that is open source and that we wrote that really simplifies some aspects of MIDI. But fundamentally, the framework you use is called Core MIDI and it's available on both iOS and OS X and it's identical between the two. And Core MIDI allows you to find devices that are plugged into the system. So the OS handles actually doing the low-level communication with the MIDI device, but it, you can see which devices are connected, connect to them, receive events from them, send events to them. And then there's also, it's not really technically in Core MIDI, there, but there are parts of both Core Audio and Audio Toolbox that are 
are for playing MIDI. So Core MIDI handles the device stuff, talking to devices, and then Core Audio and Audio Toolbox handle actually playing MIDI, saving MIDI files, loading MIDI files. So you can actually save MIDI data in a file that can be played back later, and there's a standard format for that. The problem is all of, all three of those frameworks, Core MIDI, Audio Toolbox, and Core Audio are C, pure C, and they're not known for being particularly easy to use. They're not really that well documented. I mean, if you open up the documentation for Core MIDI, you basically just get a list of all the functions that are in it and not a lot of help in what this all means or how it all fits together. And the same is true of Core Audio. And I think most iOS programmers that have had any experience with Core Audio know know how difficult that can be. So Core MIDI is sort of the same way. But really, fundamentally, it's not actually that complicated. And Core MIDI is not. And it's a very consistent, well-written framework. So if you can get into it, it's not too bad. But MIK MIDI, and there are other libraries out there, is an Objective-C wrapper for Core MIDI. It makes it, I think, much easier to deal with. It's much higher level. It's documented. Uh, You don't have to drop down to pure C. So that's what's out there. Now, did you write MIK MIDI? Or was it yeah, somebody else I here? did. I wrote it. Well, let's talk about wiring this up into the app. What are the steps that you've been doing? Yeah, that's a good question. So the first step is, and I'm speaking right now about devices, because the, whole, the files and devices are sort of separate in MIDI. I mean, they can be connected together, but they're sort of separate parts of the API. So talking about devices, the first thing you need to do is be able to enumerate the devices that are connected to the system. So there are functions for that, or in MIK MIDI, there's actually just a MIK MIDI device manager that you can get a list of all the available devices from. And each device gives you some information about it. So you can get like the the name of the device and that'll be the the model name. It's whatever the manufacturer set up or it's actually user configurable on OS X. Um, But by default, it's what the manufacturer set. And once you get a device, you connect to it. And connecting to it really just means you're telling the API that I want to receive you can connect to it in receive mode and also to send to send messages but connect in receive mode it just means i want to i want to receive i want to be notified anytime this device sends an event and you set up a callback in core midi and then that callback which it's just a c function gets called anytime an event comes in and you get a you basically get a just a pointer to a packet and a a packet Really just the main thing is it just has the raw bytes of data that a MIDI message consists of. And um, I mean, that's the data that's in a MIDI message is defined by the MIDI spec. And it's it's actually not that complicated. In MIK MIDI, you can actually just pass a block to the connection method. And that block will be called anytime events are received. And then responding to the events is just completely up to you. It really depends on what you want those events to be used for. In our apps, we're connecting to DJ controllers and we basically want a knob on the DJ controller to control a knob that's on the screen or, you know, there's a play button on the DJ controller and that just does the exact same thing as the play button in our UI. And so that's sort of a, that's not really part of MIDI. That's just what you want your app, how you want your app to respond to MIDI. So for your application, are you doing like DJ events and transferring that to MIDI and replaying them? Is that how that's working? No, actually we don't replay them. The DJ will use them to control the app live on stage. And that's just because it's really more intuitive and easier to control music in the way a DJ does using physical knobs and the big jog wheel turntable-like things and rather than a mouse and keyboard, which is really not an ideal. You know, it's a little bit finicky. you got to have pretty good view of the screen and you're in, in a dark club. It doesn't work that well. So it's a way to, it's a way to control the app with a much more well-suited control interface. But we do actually send MIDI to those devices, and that, that's because most DJ controllers have lights in the buttons, and we want those lights to reflect the state of the of the app. So 
if the app is currently playing back audio, the play button on the controller should be lit up to indicate that it's in play mode. And so, yeah, we do, we do actually do bi-directional communication and it's devices just have a method in MIK MIDI. There's just a method to send any message you want out to a device. And it's actually quite simple. So to turn an LED on, you actually just send the same message that the button that the LED is in would send if you pressed it. You just send that to the controller instead, and it turns the light on and off. So these are just peripheral adv- devices that hook into a Mac that the DJ uses to do stuff with the music that's playing. Yeah, exactly. But I'll put a link to some for the show notes, but a lot of different companies make these, and they look sort of like you would expect. They have like two turntables. I mean, they're not really vinyl turntables, but they look like a turntable that you can spin and sliders for volume and to fade between two decks and buttons for play and pause and EQ knobs for high, medium and low, that kind of, or high, mid and low, that kind of thing. Uh, and they're just, they're just much better than a, a mouse and keyboard for a DJ, the same, same way that a piano player wouldn't play computer keyboard to play the piano. They want a keyboard that's like a piano keyboard. DJs want a surface that's like what they're used to. And it's, it's sort of inspired by turntables, vinyl DJing, but they've added to that and then they just send MIDI. More recently, I don't know if this is interesting, but more recently I've been working on adding file support to MIK MIDI. And this is for another app that we're developing. So this is, that's actually musical MIDI, MIDI that has notes in it and sequences of notes. And the cool thing is, it's the same stuff, right? So a, a MIDI file is basically just all of those events that come from a keyboard or whatever saved out to a file, and then you can just play them back as if they were being played by a keyboard. And that that's really quite powerful because it means you can play a song in on your keyboard, and if you screw up part of it, well, you can just edit it. And it's not audio, it's just the events that came from the keyboard. Or maybe your timing wasn't quite right, well, you can adjust your timing, fix that after you record. And so that's that's a pretty cool, powerful part of MIDI that I'm really just starting to work with heavily, but I'm impressed and having a lot of fun. So when we got, back in the day, you know, when I didn't have a smartphone, when I got the MIDI ringtones, it was just sending a series of events to the, you know, whatever interpreted it into signals for the speaker. Yeah, exactly. So you have something called a synthesizer, and a synthesizer takes MIDI event and turns those into sounds. And they can be any kind of sounds. So they could be sampled sounds. They could be, you know, a recording of whatever, somebody's voice, or they can be a recording of a real musical instrument. They can be electronically synthesized sounds. So that's just, you know, you write a program that mimics the way a piano sounds. I think recently there's been work on physically modeled instruments. So that's really cool. That's where there's actually a physics simulation of, of a violin or something running in the computer. And all of the physical properties of a real violin, the wood, the kind of wood and the size, you know, the way the air vibrates inside is modeled, then MIDI events are turned into string plucks or whatever to make sound. But that, that MIDI synthesizer part is really flexible. So it's taking events and it's turning those into sounds, but there's no, there's all kinds of synthesizers out there. You can, you can find a synthesizer to mimic just about any instrument in the world and then a bunch of things that are not real musical instruments that are just electronic sounds. So that's the, the sort of, I mean, when you say synthesizer, people think of a synthesizer in music, which they usually don't sound like a real instrument, right? They sound like electronic, but it's just anything that turns MIDI into sound. So is that the way the apps work when they take some kind of actions that you're doing and translate that into sound? Like translate it into music, so you've got some interaction that you do and then it plays it back for you as music it just captures those events and then translates them to midi events 
Well, I, that I mean, that would be up to whoever implemented the app. That wouldn't be the only way you had to do it, but that would certainly be a good a good way to do it because that's what MIDI is designed for: is to to take events from a user and turn those into to sound eventually musical sound. And so, yeah, I, I imagine I imagine there are apps that do that. Certainly, any apps that actually receive MIDI input or can receive MIDI input from a connected instrument do that. And there there are probably more than than you expect if you are not really in that world, like GarageBand, which is an Apple app that can take MIDI input from a device. And there are all kinds of other music apps on iOS out there that, that will connect to a MIDI device. You actually use, so some new MIDI devices are made with iOS support and you just plug them into the dock connector and they or the lightning port and they just work. But um, even a lot of just USB MIDI devices will work with the, with the camera connection kit. So MIDI's actually been supported for a long time on iOS, and there's quite an ecosystem of MIDI apps for iOS. And then, of course, on OS X, MIDI has been available forever since the 80s. Well, not on OS X, but on the Mac. MIDI is, has a long history. So I'm a little curious about the DJ app that you're doing. So you're doing like MIDI controls with like things like knobs and faders and switching, like, you know, crossfading between one turntable and the next one. That's all done through MIDI? Right, exactly. Is, are there things like like scratching? Is that something you're converting into MIDI events? Yeah, so we're not we're we're going from MIDI to you know we're taking MIDI input and using that to control the app. But yeah, so when you when the user scratches on the turntable of the controller, uh, you just get a bunch of MIDI events that tell you that that knob is turning and which direction it's turning and how fast it's turning. And so you use that to control whatever it is your app does. But DJ apps all use all can connect to these MIDI controllers. They're MIDI controllers made by tons of different, I mean, there are hundreds of them. And so, yeah, we do that. Uh, it's been quite interesting because, sort of because of MIDI's history, especially the part of MIDI that's not for music, so that's the controller stuff, the control change events that I was talking about. Um, they're not really that strictly standardized. They're sort of, each manufacturer does things, think they should do things, and they're not exactly all the same. So, it's been quite a challenge actually to support all the different controllers out there that people use, but Fundamentally, you still just get MIDI events. It's just a question of exactly what kinds of MIDI events you get and and what they mean. So, for for example, just as a, a real example, some controllers, you, when you press a button, you get a, a, an event, and then when you let go of the controller you, or let go of the button, you get a second event telling you that the user let go of the button. Other controllers just send an event when you press the button down and and don't send another one when you let go. So, you can't actually tell when the user released the button. And it's kind of nice to know, you know, if you're expecting a second event for when a button was released, you might not get it depending on what controller is hooked up. So that's just an example of the kind of challenges we've had. But the music part of MIDI is much more standardized and not so much variation between devices. Okay, so you, you could theoretically replay all the things that are happening. A DJ could record a set and replay it based on this MIDI information. Yeah, absolutely. And that, that actually would not even be very difficult for us. I think we've actually talked about doing that. The app does not do that right now, but there's really no reason that we couldn't do that. So you just get events, which are just data. There's no reason you couldn't save those to a file and play them back through the exact same code that's handling them coming in in the first place and use them to replay exactly everything that the user did to replay their set. And in some sense, our users are playing our app as if it were an instrument, right? They're using it to make music in real time. So that's really what MIDI's good at. When would you want... Oh, very cool. Traditional recording like into WAV format or whatever as opposed to using MIDI or vice versa? Well, obviously you can't have MIDI for vocals, for example, and you can't use MIDI to capture a really cool guitar effect that you got with your new guitar pedal. 
so I think MIDI is really good when you're trying to compose a song. You're recording a song that you're composing and that you're that you want to be able to edit on the computer to change around. You can change the key and the scale really easily, right? Because you're just it's just numbers, and you want to be able to do fix your timing or you know play around with a melody, like play a melody on your keyboard and then then change it play around with it on the computer that midi is great for that but if you're actually trying to capture a sound if you're recording your band practicing well then of course you want to record audio and of course there's no reason you can't mix them so garage band for example you might play your piano track with midi and and record it with midi and then once you've got that done and it sounds good and you're playing it through a synthesizer so it sounds like a piano you record the vocals with a microphone so they, they they can coexist and and certainly they do coexist when people are using MIDI for music they're very often they also have tracks that are regular sound recorded to a wave file or to an AIFF file very very cool are there any things that we wouldn't have thought to ask about that are interesting about MIDI i believe james is a musician but i'm really not so so i've i've done some work with MIDI on some applications that played back and part of the formats they supported were MIDI formats. I'm kind of curious, if you've got a loop listing for events and playing them back, how, do, how does your app do the synthesis, like converting the MIDI event to something to actual sound? That's a really good question. In Core Audio, there are actually, and I don't want to digress too much into Core Audio because that's a whole several episode topic on its own, but Core Audio has these things called audio units, and audio units are things that typically they take sound in. Some, t- some of them generate sound. Some of them take sound in, process it, and then output it. And then um, then there are output units that just take sound in and send it to the speakers. But there are also some audio units that are built into Core Audio that are called instrument units, and those instrument units take MIDI as input and audio as output. And so those are the synthesizers. I don't know, so I haven't gotten into this a lot, and I don't know how you change which sounds the audio units are outputting. So whether you want a piano or a guitar or a trumpet or whatever. Um, but I, I have a, I, I do know that there are lots of third parties that make synthesizers. There are companies that that's basically what they sell is MIDI instruments. Anyway, you, you use those just like you use any other audio unit in Core Audio, except that instead of feeding them audio, they just receive MIDI. You give them the MIDI events that you're receiving from your device, and they turn that into sound for you. So our synthesizers generally, they take the sound from scratch and just do a sine wave and do some transformations on it? Are they recording things like, like sound fonts used to do, where they've actually got recorded piano notes and they're playing that? Are they doing both things, depending on the library? Yeah, depending on the instrument, they definitely do both things. So there are a lot of instruments that are just sampled. So, I mean, there are, you can find instruments that are, or sound, fo- sound fonts are still around, and you can use those to for MIDI synthesizers. What are sound Some fonts? of them might, you know, they, sound fonts are, I mean, think of them like a, like a text font, except that instead of being a way to draw a letter, there are specific sounds that, for you know, there's a sound for each note. Okay. And that might be somebody has a Steinway, you know, and they actually just mic'd it really well and recorded every single key on the piano. And then what now when you play MIDI to that, it just plays the recordings that were made of that piano. But then there are also synthesizers that do synthesis. And I mean, this is a synthesis, audio synthesis is a huge topic and there's a lot to say about it, but you're exactly right. So they might have, they generate a sine wave and they uh, modulate that with another sine wave, and then they send it through a filter. And it's it's actually, a lot of that is sort of digital mimicry of the old analog synthesizers that from the 60s, 70s, and 80s kind of thing. So they, they can play recorded sounds, but there are also the synthesizers that generate sounds from scratch. Oh, interesting. Okay, are, are there any open source, like free synthesizer libraries we can use if I want to 
add some MIDI to a game I'm doing, and I don't want to record it, so I can just put in some notes and have a free library I can input into my app or link in. Yeah, absolutely. So there are there are lots of free ones out there that you can download. There are also quite a few synthesizers that will actually produce sound that are just built in that come with Core Audio. And there's this thing called, I think it's called General MIDI. Stand, I get confused because there's a thing called Standard MIDI and then a thing called General MIDI, and they're kind of different things, even though they sound very similar. But General MIDI, MIDI is this set of sounds that any MIDI synthesizer should be able to make. And so they, for example, there's Grand Piano and Electric Piano and they don't have to use the exact same sound, but it should be basically the same kind of thing. Like everybody kind of knows what an electric piano is supposed to sound like. So if a synthesizer has the electric piano sound, it might not be identical to every other synthesizer with that sound, but it'll be pretty close and it'll be what the user expects. So if you play a MIDI file that has all these specified general MIDI instruments, it'll sound basically like you expect it to sound on any MIDI synthesizer that implements those. So there, there are sort of these built-in ones that are just the standard MIDI sounds, and then there are lots that you can get out there, both free and paid. And that's a really a big... I mean, there's almost a whole industry around MIDI synthesizers, you know, synthesizers that make certain sounds, and, and a lot of synthesizers you, you can tweak. So if they're actually generating the sound, you can, they have all kinds of settings that you can change, parameters that you can change to change how the sound that they make sounds. That's very cool. So I'm curious about kind of the, the non-audio or non-music recording of MIDI. What other applications are there for that? Like one thing I would think about is if you're doing like automation for a recording, you know, you do a getting in your Pro Tools or whatever, and you're doing your faders to bring up this one part, you know, bring up a guitar part in this section or adjusting different things. That's one thing you could do MIDI for. Are there any kind of cool non-audio or non-music things that people are doing with MIDI? I don't actually know off the top of my head. That's an interesting question. MIDI is definitely used, like you described, to automate parameters of a of a recording or playback system. And actually, Audio Toolbox, I think it's Audio Toolbox, one of the MIDI frameworks on iOS and OS X has support for recording audio unit parameters. So this is not sounds, this is the knobs and sliders that are on an audio unit. Uh, recording those to MIDI and then playing them back. So, you know, maybe you've got a flanger or something that you want to record what you did with that during a song, and then you can do that using MIDI and play it back. But MIDI is made for musical things, but like I said before, it's not really, I mean, it's it, fundamentally it's just data, and especially with the kinds of devices that we connect to, the DJ controllers, really, it, really it's a box with a bunch of knobs and sliders and buttons on it, and you could you could very much use that to do anything you wanted. So... It would be sort of weird, but there's no reason you couldn't make that into a game controller or make it into something that controlled a robot or whatever, because you're really just getting data that tells you which buttons the user's pressing and which knobs they're turning how far and all that, the the same stuff that you'd want from any hardware controller. I went on Wikipedia, and I'll put the link in the show notes, but it lists a bunch of things that people use it for. So it's, it's show control, theater lighting, special effects, sound design, console automation, recording system synchronization, audio processor control, computer animation. It lists computer networking, as demonstrated in the 1987 by the early first-person shooter game MIDI Maze, and animatronic figure control. I think anything that correlates like time-based input could be done with this. I wonder if you could do like a remote-control helicopter and replay your flight going in circles or something. That would be kind of cool to play with. Yeah, well, that, that, that would be cool, and, and I'm glad you found that, Chuck, because I hadn't seen that, and I, I thought I had read about people using it for theater lighting before, and I mentioned that earlier, but I wasn't sure. But one really cool thing about that is it's actually sort of hard to get custom hardware 
to input things to an iOS device, right? You can't really just hook up any USB device to your iOS device and and do anything with it. But that actually opens up a lot of possibilities because there are all kinds of MIDI devices out there and you, you can use those to talk to and from your iOS device without any, uh, you know, it's not like trying to use the lightning port where you have to get Apple's approval and join their program and give them 10% or whatever. It's open to everybody. Core MIDI is just a public, regular public framework. Yeah, one other thing that occurs to me too is that it, since it's evented and since your events effectively can stack up to affect the output of other events or ongoing settings. I mean, there really are some powerful things that you should be able to do with it in order to get the behaviors that you're looking for. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, there's a lot of complexity, not in a bad way, complexity in a good way in MIDI. One of the nice things about the fact that it was sort of a standard that there is a MIDI manufacturer's association that maintains a spec, but it feels to me like it sort of evolved over the years somewhat organically, like one manufacturer would add these new features to it, and then maybe those would sort of get adopted by others. But it means there's actually a lot to it, and there's a lot of flexibility inherent in it. So one thing we didn't talk about already is that MIDI has support for something called a system-exclusive event, and it's usually shortened to SysX. That's just an, a MIDI message that can contain arbitrary data. So it's not, you can put anything you want in there, just data of any type that you want. And it's there because manufacturers sort of want to make, you know, some manufacturers might have a controller that has this completely new, you know, like a touchpad on it or something, right? And there's no support in MIDI for touchpad events. So you just send whatever you want in these SysX events. You can make your touchpad send SysX events. And if somebody else was writing an app that knew, you know, that was only going to work with that controller or whatever, or knew about that controller, and they wanted to listen to those SysX events, they can. So there's actually a lot of room for expansion. You don't have, you're not really limited by what other people have already done with MIDI. So one thing we didn't talk about in MIDI is, is time. How does it represent time? What is like the base unit? That's an excellent question. For musical MIDI, which is, I, I kind of assume what is more interesting, if you just open up a MIDI file, well, so if you're receiving MIDI events from a live device, you don't, I mean, time is just, you get a note on event and then you get a note off event. You can measure the duration between those and figure out what that means for you. So you might be recording and the user has told you that their, their tempo is 100 and, you know, or 100 beats per minute. And so you can convert the time between the note on and the note off event to a, a note length. Say, you know, it's a quarter note or an eighth note. Uh, in a MIDI file, time is actually spe- is not actually you know it's not in seconds. You get events with tick times, and this actually gets kind of complicated because you can have songs that are in different time signatures and different tempos, and and there's ways to specify those in a MIDI file, but they're not always actually specified. So, typically though, by default, one tick, one MIDI tick, is a quarter note. And so if you have a note that has a duration of half a tick, that's an eighth note. And even the resolution of a tick is configurable or or can be set up in the MIDI file. But off the top of my head, I think the resolution goes down to a 24th of a quarter note, or maybe it's a 32nd of a quarter note. So it's actually quite fine, but time is specified in terms of, in musical terms. So in quarter notes and eighth notes and, and fractions of those. And that's actually powerful because it means that the tempo of a song is not fixed when you record it. When you play it back, if you want to change the tempo, it just means that in your app, you say quarter notes are, you know, a tenth of a second instead of a twentieth of a second or whatever. And so that that's actually pretty powerful because you, you can change the tempo of recorded audio, but it's sort of this complicated process, right, where you have to do an FFT and go back and all. With MIDI, it's not. You just play those notes out at a different speed than they were recorded at. So the tick is a quarter note. If you do an eighth note, which is 
twice as fast as a quarter note. Is that a 0.5, or do they do like a 1 divided by 2 when they're representing it? Not yet. It's it's a 0.5. So if you open a MIDI file using Core MIDI, or it's actually using Audio Toolbox, you get the, well, this gets into API again, but there's a, it's a C API, but there's sort of, you know, like what you'd call a class called Music Sequence that it's actually a struct and related functions that allow you to open a file. And for each event, you get a start time and a duration, basically. And those are in ticks, and it's just a float. So an eighth note is 0.5, and and a sixteenth note is 0.25. But it's a float, so they don't have to be be exact, right? I guess not. If you have a triplet, that'd be like 0.333. It's not a a real number, or not a rational number. You you don't express it as a fraction, but I guess the rounding would be pretty minor. Yeah, it's actually a 64-bit float, too, so you have very high resolution. MIDI, even though the timing is specified in terms of, of you know, eighth notes and quarter notes and whatever, this is meant to record human musicians playing a real instrument where note lengths are obviously not exact. That actually brings up a feature of a lot of MIDI recording apps, which is that they allow you to quantize your recordings. So a human user will never play notes exactly on beat and exactly the right duration. And, Unless and so you're quantizing... Like Dan. Yeah, yeah, right. Uh, quantizing lets you snap note boundaries so they are exact. Of course, that actually kind of sounds weird, right? We're not used to hearing music that's played exact with exact timings, and it makes it sort of sound robotic and not that good, not that human. So there's also uh, something that MIDI apps can do called dequantization, or I think it's dequantization, but that's that's where it's you... quantization. Well, quantization is, is making the timings exact, but you can also reverse that process. So if you have a recording with exact timings, you actually edited the MIDI file on the computer instead of playing it with the piano. You might want to add a little bit of noise there so that the boundaries are not exactly on beat because it makes it sound more natural. And that's possible too. Yep, so you're adding a little bit of error, you're adding some time, subtracting a little bit of time just so it feels a little bit more natural. Because, yeah, as you said, if you record something exactly perfect, you're either Dave Weckl, which doesn't sound good, you know, this sounds like a robot. Yeah, and uh, and MIDI files, you know, you can you can Google Bach MIDI file or something, right, and find a MIDI file that's a Bach song. And they sort of have a reputation of sounding like a robot playing the piano, in large part because the timing is so perfect. And there's no, it's almost like there's, you know, there's no feeling in it, right? Because a lot of the feeling that a musician can put into a piece of music is based on timing, variations in timing. And so MIDI doesn't have to have that problem. That, that's not intrinsic to MIDI. Yeah, but if you build all the events just off of the score music without having somebody actually play it in. That's what you're talking about where it feels unnatural because it's playing it exactly perfectly. Right, exactly. All right, anything else we should cover on MIDI before we uh, get to the picks? There's a lot we haven't touched on, but we've talked about most of the stuff that I actually know about, so I can't really talk authoritatively about the rest of the stuff that we have not covered, but MIDI is quite a deep topic, and there are a lot of resources out there for learning more about it, and I'll put some in the show notes, but MIDI is not definitely not an Apple-specific thing, even though they've got really good implementations of it on both OS X and iOS. It's really widely supported on all kinds of different devices and computers. All right. Well, if you have any opinions, experience, or other things that you want to add to the conversation, go to ifreakshow.com and leave us a comment. Why don't we get to the picks? Andrew, do you want to start us with the picks? This is a little bit self-serving and predictable, but I'll pick MIK MIDI. So that's uh, our library from, uh, it's Mixing Keys library for doing MIDI, and I I actually wrote essentially all of that. And so um, that's been a fun project over the last year. And I I, I think it's really actually, it makes adding MIDI to your iOS or OS X app uh, a lot 
easier and it, you don't have to use all the low level core MIDI C stuff. It's all Objective C and I've tried to design it so that it, it works the way that you sort of expect a Cocoa library to work and can put it in your app really easily. Uh, and then for my second pick, I'm going to pick my new microphone, which is a Blue Yeti. And this is sort of a popular podcast microphone, but this is the first episode I've recorded with it. So if you like it, check it out. They're not actually very expensive for a decent USB microphone. And those are my picks. Awesome. Gene, what are your picks? All right, I'm going to pick the Hemingway app, which is a website you can go to, HemingwayApp.com, where you can input text. So if you're doing a blog post or any other type of writing, you put it in there, it'll tell you how complex your writing is. It'll give you ideas for making your writing simpler. You know, if you've read Hemingway, he uses very simple prose and stuff that he doesn't use a lot of flower language. So this really helps find places in your writing that may be hard to understand and you want to get your grade level comprehension down. So it'll give your, uh, your writing a grade level, like grade seven, grade three, grade two. This is also great for if you're creating verbiage for your app, trying to put, you know, messages in there. You can kind of get it as low as possible. You know, grade two, grade one, or if you're doing for an Android app, maybe grade kindergarten, because, you know, users don't have the grade of comprehension. But anyway, it's something I've been using. It's uh, helped my writing and done some pretty cool stuff. So check out Hemingway app. Awesome. It's been kind of a hectic week this week, so I don't have any picks. So we will go ahead and just wrap up the show. Thanks for uh, sharing your expertise, Andrew. Yeah, it's fun to talk about. All right. Well, we'll catch you all next week. Hosting and bandwidth provided by the Blue Box Group. Check them out at bluebox.net. Bandwidth for this segment is provided by Cashfly, the world's fastest CDN. Deliver your content fast with Cashfly. Visit C-A-C-H-E-F-L-Y.com to learn more.